Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to Street Soul Radio. I am your host, Taha Photo. This is episode two, season two. I'm excited about that. Why? Because I'm excited about every episode I put up because it's a new person, new knowledge, new conversation, so new vibes. Um, today's guest is Lisa Monet. People know her as a DJ, of course, in the city, um, definitely a trailblazer, but more than that, like an entrepreneur, mentor, music A&R, just so many hats on, but, but they're like naturally fitting hats. And uh, I learned that in our conversation. We talked about her mixing style being kind of like her personality, which is like chill, but also um, very detail oriented. If you go to her website, if you go to any of her socials, um, it's very thought out. That was that was dope for me to experience that. And that's why I wanted to speak to her for some time. So we get into a lot of things. There's no need to hear it from me. Let's listen to Lissa break it down. Episode two, season two. Let's go. And you know, as a kid, I'd make fun of someone like, this guy is not to pronounce this. How? How do you not know how to <laughs> like Monet? That's right. French. Not Monette. Yeah, it's not Monette. And then when you say Monette, we laugh at the person. Right. But why isn't that? Isn't that correct? Yeah, because it's Monette. <laughs> N-E-T, net. Anyways, nobody cares, <laughs> including me. <laughs> Lisa, thank you so much for um, taking some time. Thanks for having me. We've been trying for a while to, you know, oh, know, speak on life. And I don't know anything about your actual life, but I was always curious mm-hmm. about um, who you were or how you just popped up into my digital life. A um, lot of Instagram stalking. Yeah, but like even before, <laughs> like way before, like earlier when I would see your mixtapes. Right. Wh- like where did you grow up? Um, I've lived in Toronto all my life. Mm-hmm. Um, grew up in the Don Mills and Lawrence area. Okay. Went to St. Bonaventure Elementary hey, School. Hey, 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 hey. Um, and then in my first half of my, well, no, my high school years, I lived at Don Mills and Finch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we moved to Scarborough. Um, did that for most of my college life, and then you know, Where's thought I was cool and wanted to. Move but where'd you downtown. go to college? Centennial. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I took uh, business marketing, and then uh, yeah, and then I was downtown for a while. I used to live, you know, Bleaks area. Okay. <laughs> downtown. Then, yeah, downtown, and then came right back up here to Markham because, mm-hmm. you know, had to save some money and I lived at home with my mom for a little bit. Right. And then here I am back in Scarborough. Amazing. You, do you have siblings? Yes, I have one sister. Oh, okay. A younger sister. Younger sister? Yeah. You protect her? Um, nah, <laughs> she don't need no protection. She's gangster. Like, I, she protects me. Like, she's hood. Yeah. <laughs> in a good way. Of course. <laughs> So, so growing up, was it like, um, did you have an artistic household? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. My dad played steel pan and, um, my mom, not so much. Well, yeah, she played netball. So I guess you consider Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, so I went to high school for the arts. I went to Cardinal Carter Academy, um, from grade eight to OAC. But hold on now that's right away. So grade eight. Mm-hmm. So the summer of grade seven, you're deciding that or did who put that into like go to Cardinal Carter? And um, do the, and well, yeah. So grade seven, um, I think a bunch of kids from the school came to my elementary school and they're like, I guess, recruiting and, you know, mm-hmm. um, doing their little presentation. And at the time I wasn't really feeling my elementary school at the time. Um, I guess you can say I was kind of being 
not bullied, but like being uh, isolated from groups of people. So I would spend a lot of time alone just reading. And I thought that was a great opportunity for change, opportunity for me to change my environment. And I was like, oh my God, this is like the best idea ever. I love music. You know, I'm not like the best at singing, but I will practice my little grade seven heart out to get the audition and go to the school. Because if I stay at this school, I'm in that group. Yeah. Like I just wasn't happy there. Mm. So it was a blessing that, you know, the students from Cardinal Carter came to my school and like, like that's huge. You're only 12 making those decisions in your mind or 12, 13, yeah, 13 years old. I think so. Like the summer of great. I'm just thinking great seven to eight is such a, yeah, it's like, it feels like, yo, your whole world. If I don't make this decision, right? Yeah. I'm done. I'm done. Like, I just knew that I couldn't stay at that school anymore. I knew that I couldn't be around those people. It was very click clickish. It was yeah. very like, you know, um, and, you know, there's always the one ringleader who mm. kind of like wrangles everybody to be like, okay, our, t- our, our, our target person of the day is so-and-so. Mm. And, you know, we're not going to talk to her today. And like, right. that was just so great. It was just, that was just everything grade seven was, you know? Yeah. yeah that's a tough um, thing to navigate but props to you because I feel it at that time for me grade seven grade eight I wouldn't be as clear with my ideas right or intentions I uh, never thought about it like yeah, that that's obviously. pretty awesome because I'm thinking because you're thinking grade eight grade nine mm-hmm. I want to be somewhere going towards something right because grade eight is when you emotions. usually start thinking about your high school options that's right. and it was just a blessing for that school to start Cardinal Carter actually started in grade seven. Okay. So I was like, you know, had they had come the year before that, I probably would have, you know, obviously sure. jumped at the chance. But, you know, it was it was definitely a blessing mm-hmm. for um, for me to make that decision. How was that first year? Um, it was amazing. I mean, I met my best friend on the first day on the subway. Wow. Um, and, you know, uh at the time, the school was only 500 students, and it was like me and I want to say at the time, 10 other black students mm. of the 500. Oh, man. <laughs> so just basically like one yeah. person. It feels like, like one out of five. It was like me, um, Ashley McKenzie Barnes also mm. went to my school, um, a whole bunch of people. So, you know, we had just had like our own little, you know, our own little table at... Um, during lunchtime and, and we happen organically. Yeah. And we just kind of like, like gravitate towards each other because we all had similar interests. Yeah. You know, parents were West Indian and always cracking jokes about getting licks and, <laughs> you know, and so like singing in the hallway, but like singing like old school R and B songs right. as opposed to like, you know, the like classical music that they teach us in, sure. <laughs> in, in school. So yeah. But you felt like you were learning though. Uh, Cause sometimes even though theory is theory. Right. It's going to help you. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, um, you know, I learned I learned music theory, music theory and yeah. in learning music theory, I um, started, I guess you could say, composing music for the steel band that I was playing in. Mm. So I would do steel band on Saturdays and, um, you know, in learning how to um, read the notes on a music sheet, I then learned how to translate that into you know, composing music for steel bands. Right, right. Yeah, which was super cool. That's amazing. So when you came home, parents are thinking now they're geniuses. Yeah, we told her to go. 
No, they didn't tell me to go. No? So no, they, no one's taking credit? <laughs> no one's That's taking credit. That's why you're so good at music, because of me. <laughs> no, actually, no one's ever taken... My dad might, if you ask him, yeah. but... No, no one was That's ever cool, like... That's cool, though. Yeah. I remember the first time practicing for my audition at Cardinal Carter, and my, like, dad, like, walked in on me, like, singing, and I was, like, so embarrassed. <laughs> but I was like, no, I have to go to this school. But, what, did he, why did he, <laughs> did he make care. you feel embarrassed? Or, or you? it's just someone popping in, yeah, and just, you're being yourself. And like, I'm just like, yeah, I'm just, like, you know, holding the, like, brush and, you know, <laughs> singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow, like, a.k.a. Whitney Houston style. Yes. And, like, he walks in, never, like just walked in and like kind of looked at me and smiled and then went upstairs. That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty cute. I, I love that. Um, <laughs> so around the house, did you have any, like, I'm just thinking influences, someone that made you feel, uh, gave you the confidence to be more yourself, um, find yourself, or was there a lot of judgment in the house? Um, that's a hard one because it's like, you know, growing up in a West Indian household, we didn't really talk about finding yourself. Mm. You know, I learned I got a lot of tough skin. A lot of my tough skin is from my mother criticizing me. You know, like she would say things like, you sure you comb your head today? Or, <laughs> you know, it's like you might want to go fix that, you know, fix your shirt or, you know, in a very passive way. Right. So I've learned, you know, thick skin off of like, my mom's, you know, nitpicking and criticizing and stuff like that. There was never any discussions about, you know, how are you feeling? You know, where, you know, where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah, no. None of those types of discussions right. ever happened in my household. You know, it was, you know, I guess they showed their, um, their love in other ways, you know, basic things. Mm -hmm. Roof over your head, food on the table, food in the fridge, Phone privileges. And and that's that's awesome because you're right about that. Because even the idea of they're not saying you can't go to that school. No. And they're not saying, uh, no, don't sing in your room. Do you right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So in a way, without saying those things, they're kind of saying, do your thing. Do your thing. Yeah, exactly. Which is just another I mean, way. as long as you're not like, you know, doing other things, I'd rather you do that than, you know, exactly. come home and... Or call me from jail or call me, yeah. you know, from the security place at the mall. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's so true. Now, exterior influences, right? You're a teenager mm -hmm. now. Oh, my God. 14, 13, now, see, 15. that I can talk about okay. because I was a huge bookworm um, up until, <clears throat> excuse me, I want to say college. And then I had to start reading textbooks. And then I was, like, totally turned off from reading. Right. Um, you know, in... I remember reading books like um, I, I remember reading a lot of Terry McMillan books and my dad was like, you're too young for this. And I would read them anyway. Yeah. Um, I remember reading a book called Hip Hop America by I can't remember. You know, Nelson so George. Nelson George. Okay. Yeah. That like totally changed my life as far as like, you know, understanding hip hop and understanding, um, you know, the origins of hip hop. And um, I read I can't remember what other books I read. But I used to just read a lot of books. Yeah. Um, whatever books I had to read for school, I'd, you know, I'd read them. And literally, I remember as I'm telling you this story, I remember, you know, sitting um, on my couch uh, in my living room for hours and just pop in like a John B. <laughs> CD. Wow. And 
like just read chapters and chapters and chapters of books. And like now, if I were to like listen to John B. Cool Relax, yeah, I would yeah. remember that particular book and that the storyline. And like, yeah, it's pretty intense. So he was like the 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 jazz the, in the background yeah. while you're reading. Yeah, you know, with your leg crossed. Yeah, exactly. Like like curled up on the couch reading right. this book about some girl trying to like you know find her way in Montreal, and she's got two guys fighting over her. So I'm just thinking too now. Maybe nerdy is cool now in a lot of ways. I, I mean, I think I think nerdy was always cool. Right. I'm I'm saying it like where people are. See, at the time you were just being yourself. Right. Which is um, amazing, but a lot of uh, teenagers suffer from FOMO. So even mm-hmm. if they wanted to be what you were, they just say, "No, nah, I can't. I got to uh, got to find a way to hang out with other people." Right. So for you to be like at home, say a Friday night, you're only a, you're a young teenager. You can't really go to the club yeah but you can't and you were cool with just being in and reading yeah i didn't really feel like having to go to a friend's house to hang out or anything mind you i was an only child for nine years okay okay so my sister didn't come around until like you know i was nine years old so i spent a lot of time by myself and i got really comfortable by myself and i'm still very comfortable by myself sure um so yeah like just being by myself is not an issue that's great. So to speak, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I have three other siblings, and so the house is always busy. You didn't mm-hmm. really have time to yourself. So when we had finally had our own room, I thought that was incredible. Oh, my God. I could imagine. And <laughs> I was into music and all those same, you know, John B. and all, <laughs> all these artists. It was a funny time um, where you, you're finding yourself through artists that are probably older than you. Yeah. But you feel well, like you, yeah, well they, they're, they're you're relating to them, but they're older than you. Yeah, or they feel older. They than feel you. older, way than you. older. Yeah, than you. And, exactly. And, and then you hear their music I, I, years later. Yeah, you know, and you're like, whoa! Okay. I can't believe I was listening to this. I was listening like, to those grown lyrics, <laughs> a lot of cheesy lyrics that I thought were like speaking to me. I know. Why really is that? bad story? Well, it's bad now because of the situation. But yeah, um, back in the day, my mom used to send me on an, like an Amtrak train to New York mm-hmm. to spend time with my aunt. Okay. Um, for March break, back sure. when March break was two weeks, yeah. and I remember playing R. Kelly's "12 Play" wow. on repeat, and I think that was like my sexual education. <laughs> sure. And it sounds bad now, given what the situation, become. yeah, and what he's become. But I'm just like, I learned a lot of things about. You know, the body, the life, the body, the life, like, but also you know, how not to treat people and how to treat people. Right. Right. Because, you and know, how to read people yeah, like how to read. Jay-Z's mm-hmm. reasonable doubt sure. was like my Bible to learning how to be street smart. Mm-hmm. Right. Mind you, I did not really grow up. Um, I didn't really. Well, I would spend my summers in Flemington Park because mm-hmm. my mom used to work at the rec center. Um so I would spend a lot of my summers and like I would do all of the after school programs yeah. there. So I hung around kids that lived in the community, yeah. but I didn't live in the community. Um, so you had perspective. Yeah, I definitely had perspective. And, um, you know, just kind of like a combination of that and a combination of listening to, you know, Jay-Z's Reasonable Doubt, like put two and two together for me. And on top of that, traveling to New York, yes. you know, in my like early teens, like, you know, almost up to like, yeah, high school days, you know, just 
and then being in the city that he talks about and, yeah. and putting oh, it's huge everything together. It's just there's like, something about that ride too. Like I, I used to take the bus all the time, mm-hmm. but more in my twenties, I, I was like definitely late. A delay of experiencing all those things. Mm-hmm. So the music was there for many years before, right. or listening to it, like Mob Deep and all these groups and Jay Z before actually going to New York and experiencing where where this wow this guy lived right right there there yeah. Not over there somewhere. Yeah. It's right there. And I wonder what my experience would have been, uh, you know, in my teens. Because mm-hmm. your um, your brain is, is, is growing at this pace. Yeah. And you're taking all this information in of this U.S. perspective. Um, you have no idea. Oh, my goodness. How? <laughs> it sounds so cheesy. Mm. But, like, you know, back in the day, they mm-hmm. would have, like, Write On Magazine and of Word course. Up Magazine. I collected those. Black Beat. And, yeah. And, like, you know, Mary J. Blige was another artist, too, that I used to, like... Yeah obsess over do you remember ysb young sisters and brothers there's a magazine in between is an r&b one but no uh if you see the cover you'd know i don't want to cut your thoughts okay no worries yeah so you know obviously reading these magazines you learn about their background where they're from yada yada and (laughs) the (laughs) emotions i felt when riding the train and stopping in Yonkers, yonkers sure i was like Holy shit! This is, here. Mary J. this is Mary J. People on the side, they're just having their coffee. I know, and, and I'm the freaking paper. out. I'm looking out the window. Maybe I'll I'm see like, her <laughs> at the Amtrak station. Insane, like, but it's, yeah, no, that exactly. That's the exact like, and just like you know, being in my early twenties, and then being able to go to New York by myself for friends, and be like, yo, let's like go to Marcy Ave. You know, (laughs) and just like, you know, let's go to Brooklyn. Like, let's go to like Bedford, you know. So this is Brooklyn. We're in Brooklyn. Brooklyn, Yeah. It's almost, I don't know, as a Canadian kid growing up, that's like going to Paris. If you're into hip hop. Yeah. That's the culture you're into. That that is like the mecca. At at the time. At the time, right? Mm -hmm. And it just felt like something so unique. I I grew up playing a lot of hockey. So we'd have tournaments in Detroit, Mm -hmm. Buffalo. When you actually went to New York City, New York, right? It was oh man, this country is massive. Yeah, I, I tell people all the time: eight hours on the bus to New York City and one hour plane ride. Once I, had, as an adult, was able to just take a one hour flight there, mm-hmm. I felt why didn't I do this at seventeen? It would be super expensive, right? Yeah, but if I did that, then there would not be this block in my mind. Because when I started going there just on a flight for work or something, mm-hmm. I thought, oh. Yeah, it's like it's right next there. door neighbor. It's be, like, you, can be, you can be amazing here. It's, yeah. not, it's not over there somewhere. It's an hour away. Exactly. So now you're a teen, gone to Yonkers. You saw Mary J in the window, <laughs> Amtrak station, <laughs> right? Gone through all that. Yeah. But what did you take back to um, Toronto? Lots and lots of VHS tapes of music videos. Oh, amazing, right? Because we didn't have, have BT. BT. Yeah. Wow. And, and I remember bringing them back and like in our spare yeah. in high school, like not renting. We would just like take the projector yeah. and the television with the VCR and mm-hmm. just watch music videos yeah. in the cafeteria. Now, for those who don't know, a VHS tape <laughs> is something that you would put in. It's a big rectangle. You'd stick it. Not a rectangle. It is a big yeah, big re- yeah. rectangle that you would stick into a box that played it on the TV. Yeah. It's like a big cassette player. Big cassette player. <laughs> And this is the only way you could actually get videos uh, from channels that you could not get in Canada. Exactly. That's crazy. That I know. that's an actual conversation. That I know that we're having right oh now. Oh my gosh. So okay, so you come back. So you now are, you're a leader. Everybody's like, <laughs> "Yo, Lisa got all this stuff." Yeah. 
And um, did you tell them, though, you got to come with me on the next trip? Did you start bringing friends to experience the American? Not until I was, like, in my 20s. Like, during high school, you know, I'd go with my grandmother. I'd go with family members. Um, But, yeah, it wasn't until uh, college I started going with, like, friends my own age. And, you know, because I wouldn't have been able to go to, you know, Marcy Projects with my grandma. Nope. <laughs> She's like, why do you need to go there? Yeah, exactly. Who do you know there? <laughs> you know, was your experience in the States where you are blown away and everybody else is just living their life? Were you like in awe pretty much every oh time Oh my God, you went? every single time. And I'm like that every single time I go to a new city. Right. I'm like, you know, from the airport to the hotel, my, my head is out of the window yeah. looking at neighborhoods, uh-huh. looking at like, just thinking like, how do these people live? Like, you know, where do they go? Like, where do their kids go to school? Like, what's the like, what's it like every day? Like, you know, how much is it for rent? <laughs> like, I'm yeah, always thinking I love that. about I, I'm like, the same way. yeah, I'm always thinking about their way of life there. And then, you know. Do you feel like the American experience is something that you would strive um, for? Now? Uh, or at that time? At that time, yeah. yeah. That's something that you wanted oh in your God, life? Oh, my God, yeah. I mean, because, you know, it was all about the American dream. Pre-internet. And all of, yeah. And, yeah, it was definitely pre-internet. And, you know, just the fact that you could... Well, where I stayed, where mm. my aunt lived, she lived in the Upper West Side in Manhattan. Mm. So we never went to, like, Brooklyn wow. unless we took a day out to go and visit my other side of the family right. out in, like... Um, in Bedford or whatever. So, you know, my aunt was the type of person, or still is, she's still around, um, who never took the subway, Mm. always took a cab, um, was very into the arts. I went to see my first music. She took me to my first musical, Sound of Music. Wow. (laughs) That's everybody's favorite. It's a classic, though. (laughs) And, you know, she never never cooked at home. We always ate out. Like she was living. I knew. Yeah. She was a a lawyer for CBS for like a long time. And just so I got to see, I also got to see that side of New York too. Mm. Like the side that I would eventually learn through music, through Puff Daddy and Bad Boy, you know, just like driving through, you know, you know, driving through the streets of New York and the lights are, you know, the lights and like, you know, going to clubs out there and, you know, and stuff like that. So, I had a familiarity with that eventually when that mm-hmm, era mm-hmm. came around. But, like, I don't even know where I'm going with this. No, but you, you, the, the two experiences, because I said, was it a life that you maybe aspired to when you, at that age? Yes, yeah. yes. Especially, it was definitely a life. The life of my aunt was the life that I aspired oh, to. That sounds like I want her life. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I still do to this day. Like, I still want to be her when I grow up. That's and, dope. You know, like, she's just shown, like, and I and I appreciate those trips, even though I know it was, like, my mom sending her, like, annoying-ass 9-year-old, 12-year-old away for two weeks so yep. she can, you know, live her best life. Yeah, yeah. You know, I really appreciate, you know, those moments because... Like you said, it was like being in a completely different world and experiencing a completely different life. And I didn't even know then that that's what I wanted. But like I knew that um, it was something special and it was something that like um, I wanted to be around. And for the longest time, I was obsessed with living in New York. She looked like she had choice. She had a choice, right? Like, do I want to take a cab or do I want to take the subway? subway? Yeah. 
choice is massive. Yeah. Right. Like she doesn't have any kids. So right. like when we come, like her it's kids. her opportunity to be a parent for the two weeks that she has us. And when she's tired, you know, when the two weeks are up, she sends us on our merry way mm. and we're gone. You know what I mean? And, you know, she has those she, like she's a she was a part of the Alvin Ailey um, board of directors okay. for a while. So I, I really attribute a lot of my like culture and learning about culture through her like she just taught me everything without even teaching me like she didn't have to sit me down and be like this is whatever like through the actions yeah just through the actions yeah exactly and just taking me out taking us out to shows and taking us to you know and being able to learn new york streets through driving in the taxi like i remember i used to tell people like i know new york like the back of my hand i don't live there but i know how to get around in manhattan right yeah no and that's huge uh i lived in harlem for three years or so um way later in my life uh my late 20s and oh that was just yesterday not really (laughs) (laughs) one of thousands of lives and uh i remember still i knew harlem pretty well Mm -hmm. I was at like 147th in St. Nicholas. And I do remember a different feeling about these streets that I was on. I said, because you start to think who had been on these streets and who had experienced these people. Like some of my heroes, like Malcolm X. Mm -hmm. I always tell the story of like going to, it was Old Navy at 125th, um, Malcolm X Boulevard. Mm -hmm. And uh, everybody there is black. Right. Managers all the way down to the cleaners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that blew me away. I'm I'm looking, you know, buying flip flops and T-shirts, but I'm also staring at every single person who's working there saying, this is beautiful. Right. This is amazing. Yeah. So they hired everybody. here, yeah. <laughs> And they're just living, you know, can I help you? So you need a size, you know, what, <laughs> right. what you look at? You're looking at everybody <laughs> in my head. I'm just, no, you guys go ahead. I'm just being a I'm weirdo. Just, yeah. Just I'm observing. observing. Yeah. And taking it in. And I thought. Black owned business. This is beautiful. And, you know, whatever to anybody who's only in business, fine. But it was new to me. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't see that where I came from in the city. And uh, it, it definitely stuck with me. Um, so you come back. Is that when you started to uh, think about music in terms of now? Because you're almost your end of your teens, say. Yep. Do you, are you starting to think of music as something that you'd want to be in as a career? No. Oh, interesting. Because towards the end of my high school year, I hated everyone. Everybody. <laughs> well, if you Everybody. saw me, would you hate me too? <laughs> She's like, Absolutely. I didn't want to go to prom. What? I just, yeah, I yeah. just, socially, I wasn't there. My okay. head wasn't there. I yep. just couldn't wait to go to college and like, you know, pursue, you know, business and marketing and, you know, and just, I, I couldn't wait to get to that next stage in my life. But during that time, I started going out. I started, you know, Mm -hmm. I was hanging out with a lot of, like, older, you know, girls. And, you know, I remember, like, taking people's IDs and going to clubs and stuff like that. And it was during that time I started to meet a lot of DJs. Right. Um, One in particular, um, Four Corners. Yes. um, Who we just developed a super cool, like, brother-sister relationship just off of, like, talking about music and talking about, like, music in general, like three, four or five o'clock in the morning after the club. Like we just stand outside of the club and just talk about like the new so-and-so and and this and that and the other. You can't do that now these days. Pre-internet. And, um, uh, you know, he was like, you know so much about music. Like, why don't you just become a DJ? And he was like, at the time, 
you know, at the time, I think there were like two other female DJs, Cebu right. Play and Cibu DJ Play. Mel, Mel Boogie. Oh, yeah. 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 He was like, you know, I'm going to teach you how to spin. So, you know, whenever I had like a spare day um, or I didn't have any classes, I would go to his house and I would just like, he would teach me how to like mix. And the, that back then it was obviously vinyl. Sure. And then when I got comfortable, I bought my own set. And mm-hmm. I just started collecting records and I started like spinning in my basement, but just yeah. for myself. Yeah. Or for, like, Did you tell anybody? Who, um, no, because I wasn't sure, you know, if this is what you wanted. To yeah. Do. If it was what I wanted to do. And you drop real money that that like, you know, everybody knows. You, well, yeah. At the time I was working part time. So I had the cash. So, you know, mm, I you know, yeah, I just spent it and. You know, started practicing every Tuesday. I would go downtown to play the record because every Tuesday was all the like single releases, and I'd go down and I'd buy like two of everything. Yeah, play the so there's play play the record, uh, which was a, a legendary um, record record store, store mm-hmm. in Toronto, and then of course tracks was oh just yeah, north. tracks was just up the street yep. just before Gerard, mm-hmm. and uh, I think those were the only two places I went to buy. Vinyl. Yeah, and I always felt like you know, play the obviously just he Eugene had yeah, all Eugene. the. <laughs> He just had, it's like he knew everybody. So he would right. get those records before tracks, but still I would go mm-hmm. just to be like, maybe. I don't Another know. weird thing that just popped up. Sorry mm. to cut you off. No. Every time I would go to play the record, I would also pick up. Remember how they would always have like that wall with like all the flyers in those boxes? Of course. So I'd pick up all the flyers and I remember picking up enough flyers to create a collage. So sick. Of like flyers on my wall. Yeah. I wish I'd taken a picture of it. And like thinking about thinking back on it now, it's like the the beginning of it was like the man like the mood board for my life, right? Oh. So it's like flyers of like parties that either I went to or I didn't go to or flyers that I wanted to go to. Yeah, or flyers that I thought were really yeah. pretty or whatever. I created a collage of them, filled up like one wall. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I guess when you think about it, like five years later, I become a DJ. That's crazy. So you kind of projected. Yeah. What without you even like thinking about it. Oh, man. You know, in another life, I was a DJ. Yeah. Well, I went by Little T producing. Okay. I, I went by Toxic, but I went by Little T at the time. And I just loved the idea of actually doing things like mixtapes. Mm-hmm. And um, I used to work at this store about uh, well, literally beside Zanzibar. It was called The Locker Room. And so became a manager there early maybe oh, wow. like 19 or something and i would go to play the first of all just to get a drink mm-hmm. at the store in the little store in front oh yeah it was like a little kind of convenience store with a couple of things right that's right you know what i mean so i would go there but anytime i went you I, even if i said yo i'm just getting a drink and i'm going back you can't no you hear some music <laughs> 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 yeah so they had the little dj booth yeah. in the back and like right. so then i thought <laughs> I, I got to go back and just check. But what I would always check, instead of, if I didn't have time for the records, I would see the mixtapes behind mm. um, Donna, the, his wife. Right. Um, she would have all the mixtapes there. And it was mostly American artists, but mm-hmm. there'd be like one, like maybe starting from scratch. Right, or, or Baby Blue Sound Crew. Baby Blue crew. Sound Crew. Somebody who was doing it. Yeah. And that was like my first experience of enjoying like the cover, the, the intrigue of a cover. And right. I, I say that because you talked about these flyers. Mm-hmm. That was your mood board. It's also the vibe, right? Like, which flyers stood out to you right. that made you pick them up? Exactly. And that's part of like a Wayne, like Warner going to like picking a white party over right. picking a, another party. Right. So all those things fascinated me. I said, oh, it's not just about playing at a club. What I mean, if you can't play at a club? 
Right. What happens if you, you don't want to play at a, at a birthday party? Mm-hmm. What's in between? Is there something? And then you're like, oh, mixtapes. Right. Where people can still listen, listen. to your thing. So I, I want to know, you know, Four Corners says to you, basically gives you the okay to like, yo, why don't you do your thing? Yeah. And from that, did you start practicing? Did you feel like, yo, I'm going to make a mixtape? Did that even come in your mind? Or you're like, no. I want to play out there. No. I was just like, I'm happy organizing my records in my basement according to BPM from like 85 to 105. Wow, you were nerdy and even like in that. That's amazing, <laughs> but you were nerdy. That's dope, though. Yeah, I would play them and like, you know, guesstimate the BPM and like put them exactly yeah. where I thought that they would be. And it wasn't like until like maybe two years into DJing in my basement, Kirk called me and mm-hmm. was like, um, I'm starting a Thursday night and I want you to open for me. Wow. So I was like, Okay, so <laughs> I, you know, and what's crazy was that where the the club that he was doing his residency at mm-hmm. literally was across the street from my house in Malvern. It was called wow. Sandos. It was like Shepherd. Sandos, yeah, sure. Yeah, Shepherd and um, I don't know. People from Malvern would know where Sandos is. Sandos. Yes. Um, and yeah, and like that became like such a legendary Thursday night. We had like. Dr. J, Lindo P, even Scratch came and like, you know, threw down a set. And I think during that time was when, um, you know, you hear the term DJ fraternity. Like, I think that's when, you know, that kind of all started because we were all like, you know, putting each other on and like, you know, you know, like Kirk is a hip hop guy, but, you know, he's bringing someone like a Lindo P or a Dr. J on. And because we live in a community in Malvern where it's very diverse in the sense that, yes, it's mainly a black community, but Mm -hmm. you've got black people who are from, whose parents are from the Caribbean, you know, who may listen to hip hop like during the day and then, you know, listen to soca on Sundays or soca on, yeah, reggae on, you know, Saturdays or what have you. So it kind of like bonded us in the sense, like, you know, to this day, I still go out and support and talk to Dr. J, go out and, you know, support Jester and, you know, all these guys who, who I believe raised me as a DJ like yeah. I would go to parties that they would spin and you know study them and sure I, I, I love your style of DJing it's like it's kind of actually like your personality oh and that that nerdy no 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 <laughs> nerdy we've uh, definitely established <laughs> but I mean it there's some calmness to it and confidence oh and it's like don't worry I got this <laughs> <laughs> this next track, trust me on this Interesting. one. Interesting. So it's very calm, but it's like, also, I know what you need to hear. Right. Super confident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So am I even close to that? No, like, like that's like crazy spot on. Is that like, it? Yeah, like I, I never make mixtapes. I never try to make a mixtape where, you know, you're going to hear the song on the radio or you're going to like... You know, you're going to hear this song on another mixtape or, you know, another right. 50,000 mixtapes by other DJs. That's like, right. I try to find songs that where I always, I try to be the Shazam DJ. So anytime yes. I DJ, I always like either I always feel good when someone comes up to me and says, oh, my God, what song is that? Or like they're like holding their phone and they're Shazamming. Because yes. it's like it's an opportunity for them to discover new music that yeah. I've found and if i didn't find it and didn't play it you would have never discovered it that's so dope it's like basically the b-sides the undiscovered tracks on an album that people pass or that are unreleased 
that are still dope. Yeah, that are still dope. Like, or, why is it or in the just mix? slip through the cracks That's because right. of all the other, like, stuff we're that pushing we're, this, we're pushing this. Yeah, pushing or this. all the other stuff that, like, we're so accustomed to. Um, you know when, for example, there's, like, one artist and they've had, like, hits for years. Yeah. And as soon as they drop another song, it's, like, it's just instinctive to, yeah. like, add that to your collection. 100%. Because... It's just, you, it's, it's tried and true, it's proven, it's they've never disappointed you, yada, yada, yada. But mind you, there's like thousands of other artists who are just as good and on yeah. that level who just may have never been discovered and just need that, you know, Yeah, just be placement. put in, like slid into the mix yeah. and you, you build the confidence and then you're known for that. It kind of talks about your personality. Like maybe when you're working with other people, mm-hmm. you, you're like... I know you got talent. That's why I'm working with you. Right. Or I see that you, your potential in you is is huge, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm going to give you a shot. So so now you're wow. there. I all your influences or a lot of them are male, in a business mm-hmm. which is dominated by males. Yes. There's no way around this question. Nope. How like how do you feel? Like w- w- are you intimidated? Let's talk about the beginning. Mm-hmm. Were you intimidated a lot in any situation of aside course. aside from um, uh, Four Corners giving you a shot? Of uh, course. Yeah? Because, I mean, you know, DJs take their jobs very seriously. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and I've become one of those, obviously, with, like, time and, you know, expertise. And it's like, I could only imagine, like, these guys standing there like who is this girl she says she wants to dj okay you know mm. what i mean and it's like accents you know spot on too. <laughs> it. and it's this? like you know like i used to come in there and and i could see how they probably wouldn't take me seriously because i never i didn't have the money to buy like the the hard case case uh, oh, the yeah. hard cases for your sure. vinyl so i went to ikea and i bought some cute little like <laughs> Yes. I'm so ashamed. I bought some like cute little plastic like colored boxes that kind of look like, you know, vinyl cases. And I'd bring those with me just, you know, to show that I'm like a little different or whatever. You're being unique. Yeah. And I mean, to make a long story short, I really had to prove myself with these guys. And, you know, I'm glad I I did. I'm glad nobody gave me a bligh because yeah. I was Kirk's friend or right. I was a girl or, you know what I mean? Like, I'm glad, you know, some of these guys put me in my place super early yeah. so I could be in a position to like, you know, watch guys who've been doing it a lot longer than I have watch the way that they, you know, control a crowd. Like, and it's like, it's, and that's where I learned it's more than just, you know, putting a record on a, right. you know, on a turntable at the time, obviously, and, you know, playing a song. Like, you had to basically know what songs you have to play in order to keep a vibe or an energy going. And that is really the art of, you know, aside from like scratching and doing all the fancy stuff, that's really the art of DJing is to play songs in a certain order mm-hmm. in order to keep a certain energy level up. Yeah. The, no matter what the no genre. No matter what the genre. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so speaking of that, so then now, you you know, people are going to start hiring you or started hiring you. Right. You've gotten through this, like, the guy's always going to wonder if you're good enough because you're a female, because you're black, because right. you're maybe taking think, his spot. I don't think being black was an issue until I started doing corporate events. Well, this is why I was, I was saying, mm-hmm. like, going into new genres yeah. means new clients asking for your services. Right, yeah. Right, and now that's like, are you a threat? Are you um, not on brand for right. them? And all mm-hmm. these silly questions. I think you're always a threat, being a DJ, you know. 
Um, wow, and that can explain that. And that goes away yeah. um, eventually when you realize, like, like there's a million DJs out there, but there's only a few DJs who know how to command a crowd, mm. right? Anybody can be a DJ, sure. especially now. The technology allows anybody to load up a million songs onto your laptop and yeah. hit play and, you know, half-ass mix a song. Sure. But it's, like, actually the art, like what I was talking about before, Absolutely. like the knowing certain songs to play, knowing when to take a chance and play a song, you know, not knowing what the outcome is going right. to be and then recover from that very, 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 very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Um, if it doesn't work out, give us an example. Oh, I'll give you an okay. example. I think it was Barry Gal. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. um, and um, that Drake track with DJ Khaled came out. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know which one you're talking about. Um, bounce oh that and God. like whoa. Yeah, it was like bounce a, that and like whoa. Was, was uh, that uh, a, a uh, summer uh, uh. thing? I can't remember. I can't remember the name of the song. It's so bad. There you go. It, it's self-explanatory. But when I first heard it, I thought it was gonna be a, a bop. Like I thought it was gonna be a banger, like sure, a sure. summer banger. And I remember playing because it had that like Miami bounce, and yep. I felt like at the time, you know, Toronto was in a was in a place where we were open to different like sounds sure. and genres underneath the like hip hop R and B umbrella, and like. So I played it. <laughs> it was like flatline. And I was like, no, this is like the best song ever. What are you guys dealing with? <laughs> and then I can't remember what song I had to. I know I can't remember what song I played after that. Right. I don't even think I got to the chorus. I just like. You like. Chick -chick -chick yeah. Gone. Yeah. Because like you and it was clear. You saw the like you saw the energy go from like nine yes. to like four point five. Yeah. And then I was like crap i have to bring it at least back to like a seven yeah and then pretending like i was just testing you guys <laughs> i'm just making sure you knew that yeah. i didn't like this <laughs> just making sure you knew that i knew that i you know yeah. that i knew the song but it's but amazing yeah, you still i thought remember that it would have yeah. been yeah i thought that it would have been i really thought that song i can't even remember for the life of me the name of the but song but that's cool someone's uh on the podcast listening yelling the name and we can't hear i them, know so just calm know. down everybody please bounce that shit like whoa i already know bounce that shit like whoa <laughs> and the beat was like uh yeah it was definitely that miami vibe yeah and it maybe it just didn't we we're like no nah, that's not us we're not waiting for it oh child's play <laughs> there oh we go. my god Holy. so yeah. listen anyway so so you, you <laughs> so yeah you remember these lessons right and, it, and you know what's kind of cool about that and it's it happens with photography too you there's a moment where you're humbled yeah exactly. just remember that yo yeah you're good at what you do yeah. You don't know everything and all the time. You're not going to have a good gig all the time. That's right. You know, not every gig is going to be like, don't let some of these guys out here fool you with the fireworks and the pyrotechnics. Yeah, like, yeah. it's not always a good gig. Yeah. You know, it's like there's times where you really have to work and then there's times where you can just really like play off top and like, you know. Yeah. And it, next thing you know, someone's tapping you on your shoulder saying like your set's over and you're like, what? I just started. Yeah. yeah. You know, <laughs> so... And no one cares, right? Yeah, they're, exactly. They're like, like no. we paid you, right? Yeah. Keep moving. <laughs> exactly. Now, I don't know all the genres, so tell me, but you know that you spit, you just spark something with that pyrotechnics and all that. <laughs> right. So I, let's say it's uh, dance music or electronica. Mm -hmm. Like so, EDM? Yeah, EDM, where there there's 10,000 people. Yeah. So there's obviously energy there, mm -hmm. right? Whether you like every song or not, right. there's serious energy. Has hip-hop even... 
or is it because of our B- BPMs that people might not do that for a full two-hour set? I think so. Because I'm trying to think of any other reason why the guy is there and everybody's just like... I watched some documentary on Netflix. I think it was called People of Tomorrowland or okay. People of Tomorrow. I'll check it. And it's about this EDM festival called Tomorrowland that, that I think hops around the world. Okay. And these people who go to this festival are like cult followers. Right. They like, wherever you, Tomorrowland is, I'm going to drop 5Gs and just go. Mm. And it's like, the production is crazy. The like, they got it all. Pyrotechnics, like yep. stage production, right. like the lighting, lighting, like costumes, like crazy. insane. Right. And, you know, I remember watching this documentary and saying, yo, like, why can't we do this for like hip hop yeah. or, you know, and I think it's just the vibe is different. Yeah. You know, like you said, the BPM is getting slower and slower. slower. So it's hard to like, because physically the energy is. But mind you, I mean, I've seen people go nuts to a 70 BPM mm-hmm. set. You know what I mean? I remember when I used to do low key for three years mm-hmm. and, you know, after one o'clock, it was like, you know, trap time. <laughs> and it, it's just like, you know, you play Rick Ross and Lil Wayne and, you know, and Drake and Future and Waka Faka Flame. And like, it was like people were like hanging off the ceilings. Like, I think they even like brought in one of those um, like that spit um, like dry foam? ice. Oh, ice. Yeah. yeah like. And, and the place was like a shoebox. It's like it was it's lost and found now. Yeah, but yeah. it's like oh, so anybody so who tight. goes to lost yeah. and found would know that that was low key like years ago. Okay. And like they brought in this thing that shooted dry ice like with the swiftness. <laughs> People were getting smacked in the face with this thing. Oh and it was like at that time, because of that, because that was like the time that I was like doing the residency with that. Like that was the energy. Like mm-hmm. I remember watching that Tomorrowland doc and like. You know, seeing people with their hands in the air and like their eyes are closed and they're singing the lyrics and this and that. And it's like I've seen that happen for yes. hip hop music. It, I think it's just a different approach, a maybe? different. Yeah, a different vibe or a different approach. But I wouldn't be. I know, And I know there's festivals where they're now incorporating, yeah. you know, hip hop acts. Like I think Migos is doing Veld this year. Yeah, I saw that. And the like posters. Future did. I think Future did Veld last year or something like that. So, I mean, I would love to go and see the reaction for Migos in an environment like that. Yeah. You know what's interesting? I'm just thinking now, maybe it has a lot to do with music with lyrics and music with more sounds. The production. Yeah. Yeah, for because, sure. Because, you know, now it's just about you and the beat mm-hmm. and like a couple samples that they put in those uh, EDM songs. Mm-hmm. But you're just connecting with the music and as opposed to, Oh, I like Migos. That's why I'm liking this song. Right. Do you know what I mean? Because a feeling physically is a, if it's just a beat playing, that's why people are losing their mind. They're just like, I feel these well, drums. No, and, like, no, even with EDM, like I also watched another documentary about the Swedish house mafia. Oh, yeah. yeah. And like how they, they have huge productions. Yeah. And like I'll watch, you know, when they show like the when they do their shows and stuff and like for example like the don't you worry child and like mm-hmm. seeing people with their hands in the air their eyes are closed and they're like ah, nah, nah, nah. <laughs> whatever however the song goes and i'm just like yo they having like a holy ghost party up in yeah. here like to the, that particular yeah, genre of music so yeah, yeah. it's 
I, you know, one thing I can say about music is that it puts people in a place, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what the genre is. It yeah. could be EDM, it could be polka, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if that is something that you truly enjoy listening to on a personal, when, whether you're in a club or in your car, like, there's, a, there's something, like, when you listen to a particular song in whatever genre of your preference, yeah. it's like, there's something that, like, touches your soul. 100%. You know, and like, there's no denying, there's yeah. no denying that. And props to the DJ for that, because a lot of times, obviously, it's the song, but it's also the DJ saying, you know what, this is when you need to hear, hear it. it. Right, right, this right. This is the time. That's, true. That's dope. What about your big break? Like, well, um, at the time, I was working for MySpace Canada. Okay, <laughs> that's not funny. It's like, like MySpace was huge to it was huge at the time, but I I laugh about it because mm. it was like it was so long ago and. I don't even know if I think MySpace still exists. It does. I'll go. If, do you do this at least once a year? No. <laughs> I know exactly what you're going to say. I go there and I just really? go, let me go to myspace.com and see what they're trying to, to do. do. Oh, okay. So I'll just I Google thought you were going to like say log into your old account. Absolutely like... not. <laughs> I don't even know what my what my password was I like. No. Donkey donkey monkey person person <laughs> 2682. <laughs> I was like, I think I can get a job with that email. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um yeah, I was working at MySpace and, you know, at the time I, I really enjoyed it because, I mean, it was like it was cutting edge. It was social media. It was like next level. We were curating, you know, music um, for, you know, the for the users and mm-hmm. like, you know, creating ads and, you know, focusing on Canadian acts. And it was super new and, you know, cutting edge. And at the time, I was still fiddling with DJing and I was, you know, I was getting some gigs here and there. Yeah. I was, And by that time, I was also off vinyl and I was on Serato. Oh, right. So everything was digital. Yeah. Well, not digital. Yeah, everything was digital. and It was you know, going that way. Yeah. Fully. Exactly. So um, I remember... What did you do with all your vinyl? Oh, they're like in my mom's basement. And then like Respect bought some for me. Because I also had to like, I thought I was grown and I wanted to move out and live on my own. (laughs) She said, I thought. We got to (laughs) break that down later on. Yeah. So um, through MySpace and having a MySpace account and, you know, marketing myself as a DJ on MySpace, I got like two out of town gigs from that. So Amazing. my first out of town gig was in Dallas, Texas. It was like some old school roller jam. That's sick. Hipster party where yeah. we all wore neon and like spandex. You were hype. You didn't go to sleep the night before. No, I didn't. You guys. It was like it was it was kind of scary cuz I'm like I'm traveling to this place by myself. Like I don't yes. know the promoters like all that well, but you know, we built a a rapport online, online and yeah. stuff like that. And then like my second out of town gig was in in LA. And mm. that was when I decided to quit my job at MySpace, you know, wow. you get the LA bug and you're like, oh my God, I can do this. I don't need, I don't need MySpace, <laughs> you know, especially I came, in Canada. I came right back and I quit my job and wow. I was like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to focus on doing this full time. And I mean, I think at the time I was like 23, yeah. I was like super young and had no idea where my next check was coming from. And I just started hustling and you know, trying to get like residencies and, yeah. you know, other gigs to just kind of like supplement that Was it salary. tough? Was it tough? Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank God. I was like, you know, I was living downtown with my grandmother mm-hmm. at the time. Your grandma is so lit to be living downtown. Well, she lived she lived in she lived in Bleecker. She moved there in like the 60s. Wow. 
So she saw it Been go there, from, that, yeah. yeah, she saw it go from what it was mm-hmm, to what mm-hmm. it is. And yeah, yeah. she tell me stories all the time. Dope. Um, yeah. So, you know, at least I had like that kind of cushion, but it was still tough because, you know, living downtown is not the easiest Did you financially. F- yeah. hundred percent. Even now, right now, it's, it's actually insane. Yeah. So you had that d- doubt kick in then a bit? Oh, for sure. About I mean, DJing or about the music business or uh, all of the above? Um, yeah, all of the above. You know, it just kind of hits you like a ton of bricks and you're just like, what the hell am I doing? Like, especially growing up where your parents are like, go to school, get a job, mm. you know, and then whatever else. As long as you have a job. You know, um, I tell this story all the time. My first, like, three or four years, maybe five years of DJing, my mom would send me job postings all the time. Oh, look, Scotiabank is hiring. Oh, oh look, so-and-so is hiring. Her, right? Oh, look, the government is oh, hiring. Man. You know, so, um, you know, I tell that story all the time. And it's like, you know, I could have easily, you know, fallen into that, tr- not trap, but like I could have fallen into that and That's gotten safety, a regular, regular yeah. job. And, you know, but I decided that this is something that I wanted to do. At the time, there was no other female DJs in Toronto. That's insane. Yeah, like, I think at the time, Sivu Play had moved to Vegas and right. was, like, doing a residency in Vegas. Wow. And, you know, Mel Boogie had a radio show yes. and stuff like that. So, you know, I was like, okay, I think I can, like, you know, dominate the clubs. And, yeah. you know, she I just... She was so kind, Mel. I remember her from... She had a, uh, at the time, um, a record pool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I right? remember that. Yeah, and I can't remember the name. Uh, yeah, I, I lost the name and she's probably saying, it's just da, 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 da. Yeah. <laughs> she, she was so kind and, and very uh, always pushing, you know, because uh, mm-hmm. clearly you know that you're a female and you're DJing and yeah. there's not that many other females, but still pushing towards what she wanted to do. Right. So, yeah, so you were doubting yourself a lot. Now, so what was the closest thing, if it wasn't DJing, that you wanted to do? Um. Well, at the time... um. A really, really good friend of mine, Big C, had a company oh, called C. Offshoot. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, they were a streetwear distribution company. Mm-hmm. So I'd work there f- part-time just to kind of, like, pay the bills. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, through Big C was uh, how I got my position as um, marketing consultant for Sony, Sony Music Canada. Okay. So, you know, um, that also helped, too, as well. Yeah. Um, keep that little cushion going Mm -hmm. so you know i definitely not to say that djing if i had just focused because there's so many djs out there who just dj and don't need to have like you know don't need to have like a part-time job or Or a second or a second yeah they just like kirk i know is just a dj and he travels and he's like super successful and you know what i mean so but for me i i think it was because of my love for music and my love for um the business of music that i decided to dabble in different things simultaneously right because i always thought djs are a and r's right yeah yeah i mean like you're you're listening to something even if that record comes out and in A&R is like artists and repertoire. They kind of oversee projects or say, suggest, you know, collaborations or push the artist to right. do certain things, whatever, just for those who might or not, might not know. But also you're hearing what's working for a certain artist, right? like from album to album, single to single and saying like, if this person would just do this yeah. and work with these people, people yeah. this would work. Mm-hmm. What is up? 
obviously someone saw that. Like, you know, they're, you're consulting with a, a label. Yeah. And they're giving you those opportunities. Did you feel really com- confident and comfortable in that position? No. Oh. Why? <laughs> I don't know. That, for the first, like, two years, I had no idea what the hell yeah. I was doing. First of all, learning... Sorry. Okay. Learning... Um, Learning the major label culture is like a two-year process on its own. Mm. Um, I wasn't in the office every day, so it it took me a longer time to understand the dynamics of yeah. working for a major label. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a little bit of a hurdle. But once I kind of had an understanding, it was like really easy to just like brainstorm and get ideas in there and make certain suggestions. What like what might work what may not work according mm-hmm. to like the landscape that we're in. Right. Um, you know, obviously our focus is on Canada and Canada is a completely different um, place compared to the States. Right. So, you know, there's just like a lot of, there's, you know, a lot of like uh, hurdles and, you know, just making certain suggestions <laughs> in certain ways. Yeah. And um, yeah, no, like I, I, the confidence didn't come until I got comfortable. And I think that's just like a cancer thing. Like I'm a cancer. So same, like same. it takes me like a really long time to get comfortable yeah. with anything, people, places, food. That's probably in everything. There's not just a cancer thing. I, I feel like I know a lot of people who are just like confident and they doubt themselves Cells, immediately yeah. when yeah. they put those things out. What I love is that you, you, you said you loved the music. So that kind of, propelled you forward mm-hmm. regardless of what was kind of uh you know thrown at you now um i feel like a few years ago and maybe i'm wrong maybe i don't i don't know of this for sure because i don't know you personally mm-hmm. but i say a few years ago or a couple of years ago at least you um you you changed you evolved or you pulled back <laughs> I or cut off all my hair you cut off all your hair <laughs> and you had this moment um just from the outside again because i yeah, don't yeah. know you like that where it's like I felt from the outside, maybe you were being even more yourself, finding yourself more. Right. A- am I even close to that? Yeah. Yeah? I think so. I think for me, finding myself has been like a lifelong... Same, same. You know, a lifelong quest. Because I saw you at like an event, and then a few weeks later, I saw you at another event, and it must have been like at a t- literal transition point. You wow. were working at some, like we, you know, yeah, I see you yeah, at some yeah, events, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. some work events. And I was like, yo, what's going on? I never get to talk. And I also, I going back to the <laughs> DJ days, I'm like, don't bother this DJ person. When they're spinning. Hey, so, you know, what do you like? Coffee or tea? Or I what know. kind of tea? It's like I always point at my headphones, like, I can't hear you. So, but I did, I literally saw this change. And it was obviously longer than just one event to another. Right. But um, what was some of that process and do you feel like um, you're understanding more of what you want to do going forward? Yeah, I think it was a combination of a lot of things. It was just like the change in, you know, our social environment, you know, mixed with, you know, me getting older yeah, yeah. and, you know, realizing that, you know, there's certain things I will and will not tolerate anymore. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, on top of like my, you know, my change in what's it called? My attitude mm-hmm. or maybe that's not the right word to use. But like there was also a shift as far as like the type of music that I liked as well. Right. Um, so, yeah, a lot of things were happening at the same time as far as like, you know, 
uh, interest shifting and, you know, realizing things and, you know, coming to... But it wasn't anything like major, like no. nothing major in my life happened where you it know, doesn't I have had to. Like a but it, Britney Spears moment, yeah, yeah, and yeah. like you know, decided like people when I cut my hair, everybody's like, "Oh my god, what's wrong? Is everything yeah, okay?" Yeah. And I'm like, "Nah, I'm cool. I just felt like it's a change. I wanted to change. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to spend three hours on my hair anymore. I wanted to take those three hours and use it, put it to to use somewhere else. Yes. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, that it wasn't it wasn't anything like super crazy. I think there was just like. I think it was a combination of all of those things, like yeah. just getting older and, you know, um, that's growth, too. Right. Yeah. Hashtag growth. yo. I'm seeing you at all these events and I thought that was a little phony after a while on my half of, yo, what's going on? Yeah. Hey, how you doing? All right. I'll see you later. <laughs> I'm interested in, in talking to you, but it's never going to happen. So I was like, <laughs> I got to pursue these people because they're in my city. Right. You know, you can pretend like they're over there somewhere right. or they're over there doing their thing. Mm -hmm. But we all have stories. We For all sure. We all are talented in our own ways. And we're all having these like paths that are crossing. Yeah. But we don't really know who these people are. Exactly. And that gets weird in the creative space. For sure. You're seeing them all the time physically yes. and then you're seeing them all the time on social media it's like, and then it's like you know and then you may have the opportunity to work with them and then sure you know there things may or may not happen yeah. and yeah. signals get crossed communication sucks 100%. and you know and then you got to see them then the cycle starts you see them all over again at another event yeah. so it's like yeah it's like a never-ending yeah and you have to <laughs> i feel i speak for myself i, I had to make that effort because i wanted to Make sure that I'm speaking to people that I wanted to speak to. Right. Because I have a billion questions, but I don't want to um, take up your entire day. I, I thought about, uh, is it Lux Life? Yes. So can you tell everybody just a little bit about that? Because I want to understand how it came to be. Mm -hmm. And then um, what's like its purpose? So Lux Life Sound is a all-female DJ agency. And basically me and my business partner, Cleo, we place female DJs um, at corporate events. Mm -hmm. Um and, you know, we're no different than any other DJ agency. I mean, except for the fact that our whole roster is female. That's um, dope. It just ca it came up really, really easy. Um, I was getting booked for a lot of gigs and a lot of the inquiries I was getting fell on the same days. Yes. Like, it's like. You know, I'd get like three inquiries for like June 16th. And it's like, what is it about June 16th that everybody wants <laughs> yeah, to have happens. an event? And it was like, I would just like give them or pass them on to other DJs. Yeah. And um, I was like, mm, you got to make a business like, out of yeah, this. I'm like, this seems like something that I can make a business out of. And then it turned into I want to be able to place female DJs at events that number one are safe. Yes. And number two, where they are getting the money they're that, worth yeah they're worth and the money that they deserve for the work that they're providing because obviously coming up in this game it's a weird thing with djs we don't talk about salary we don't talk about how much another dj makes right. like five djs could be working one party and not one person would know what the other dj made that night that's crazy yeah which i mean it, it's the same as like you know yeah in a way five, you're right you're right you don't you're really right. talk to the person the cubicle beside you and say yo so what are they paying you what over are they paying you over here I start judging <laughs> right? yeah <people>. exactly <laughs> so you know it's it's one of those things where it's like but I know what it's like to be on the opposite end of that in the sense that, you know, you've been working your ass off for a promoter for years to find out that they've been paying you like next to nothing yeah. compared to another DJ who yeah. just kind of came on or whatever mm. the case is. Right. 
And then there's, you know, typical, I talk about this stuff all the time, but like promoters not paying you and not paying you on time. And, you know, but that kind of lives in the club world. Yeah. Corporate, it's like. Oh, no, it's not. It's contracts. It's, yeah, and business. It's contracts. And, you know, but at the same time, it's also educating the client on, you know, like a client may come and say, we need a DJ to we need a DJ to spin for like 12 hours and like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, OK, well. That person needs breaks every three hours. Yep. That person needs to take a lunch break. And having to explain like sound and the importance of sound and the importance of having sound for a specific type of room. Wow. And yeah. So it's it's a lot more complex than just like putting a DJ at an event and and also making sure that the type of event that we're that we're hired for, the right DJ, you know, spins, you know, so it's it's more than just placing a female DJ and paying them you know, the right. Your name's on the line still, right? That too. Right? Yeah. Uh, do you feel like you, uh, so how do you handpick these people? Um. Well, it started with my close circle of yeah. like female DJ friends. At the time it was uh, DJ Steph Honey, mm-hmm. who I had met actually at a gig that I had double booked myself on. Mm. And, um, Very you professional. Know, she came, yeah, I know. So Very professional. I, I hate when it that happens. happens. Chill, like, chill, chill. I feel so bad. I beat myself up all the time. That's okay. And you know, she came through in the clutch, and she just kind of proved herself to be a really reliable—not just—I mean, aside from her being a good DJ, right? Um, a really reliable human, human and person, <laughs> and you know. Um, and then I would also give a lot of my gigs to Nora Tones, okay, um, who's another female DJ. And then it just kind of like expanded, and then. Once we kind of, and then I'd met Sandy Duperval, who was like a DJ slash amazing singer from Montreal who had moved to Toronto. And um, from there, just kind of like grown. So I think right now we're at like, we have like eight or nine That's amazing. girls on our roster. Yeah. And, you know, they've done everything from like New Year's Eve at Mississauga yeah. to, um, gosh, we did our, we did the Fenty Beauty launch like last September. Wow. We've done like oh, so many TIFF events. We did a Netflix event for TIFF last year. And um, I love that. I'm trying to like pull events out of our hat. But we we have like contracts with Shoppers Drug Mart and yeah. Sephora. And That's so creative. It, tell me right now, because I get this is where I get excited. Mm-hmm. So you, you do you ever go to events and say, OK, cool. If Shoppers needs a, a DJ, um, what about uh, Nordstrom? Yeah, um, and all like, the time. are you creating well, and that's projecting? How the shoppers, and yeah, that's how I the Shoppers see. contract started. It was like um, I got hired yep. to do one store. I think it was like Sherway Gardens, and then me and the girl who um, was coordinating it, we just hit it off. Yeah. Shout out Tyra, um, and we just kind of like. I was like, hey, like, you know, I feel like whenever you guys do these things, you should have DJs all the time because a lot of the like store employees talk about how like, you know, the vibe um, is different and, you know, uh, not just the store employees enjoy you know, having a DJ there and like the time passing really fast, but like energy. Yeah. The energy vibes, and the yeah. customers are also, they, their sales go up, you know, stuff like that. So, um, you know, I, I told her like, you know, the next time you do this, like, you know, please consider, I have like a whole roster, roster. of female DJs. And this was like way before even Lux life was a thing. Wow. Um, just based off of the female DJs that I knew, I was like, anytime you want to do this, let me know. And she was like, I've got five events, one weekend, can you wow. help me out? And that's kind of how we just kind, kind of, of rolled. Yeah. And, and that's where like the, I, I always say this, like, you know, I'll have some, you know, corporate jobs from time to time. That's where like the relationship building comes mm-hmm. into play. And 
you're actually giving them value. Yeah, sure. they're going to pay you and you'll, they'll probably pay you well. Right. Um, because they're a big company that have a big budget. They, they usually waste on weird things. <laughs> right. So why not, you know, tap in and give them value, but also get compensated? Totally. That's so dope. Yeah. Um, so n- do you have any partners or are you just your own? It's your own thing? Is that, I mean, like, Lux, Lux like Life? In terms of, like, uh, the admin side or the business side of it? Uh, no, it's just me and Cleo. Okay. I handle all the bookkeeping, bookkeeping. and the accounting. Yep. Um, and Cleo deals with, she liaisons with all the clients and makes sure the girls are where they're supposed to be at all times. Absolutely. Yeah. That's huge. Mm-hmm. And, and so the feedback's been great, like, in terms of, like, from the clients? Yeah. Feedback's been amazing. Um. Because yeah, you, like you know people can Google go, Google review you. For sure. Right? Um, no, feedback's been really good. Um, you know, our girls, we just, we we pride ourselves on keeping it professional from start to finish. Yeah. So it's never, you know, a situation where it's like, you know, show up when you feel like it. It's like <laughs> your, your, you know, your set time is from, you know, 1 to 3, show up at 1.30, do a quick sound check yada 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 or if they're doing a longer gig it's like your sets from one to eight you've got a 15 minute break at you know yes. whenever you feel like taking it or two 15 minute breaks yes. whenever you feel like take we treat it as if you know real job. it's a real job because yeah. it is a real job 100 percent. yeah yeah because a lot of times the arts people think oh you're just doing that you're good yeah it's like you're just playing music you're having yeah. fun no I'm, I'm i've been on my feet for six hours yeah i need to go to the bathroom yeah i just need like to go to the i saw you go seven times <laughs> I ain't gone once. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. All right, that's awesome. <laughs> so so th- this is like uh, the evolution of Lisa Monet. Like you have... Yeah, I guess you, so. you, you get like these, your own gigs. Right. And then you have this business, which is empowering your community. Right. Um, which is, is just so needed. And that's where the good of social media works, right? <laughs> where you can like kind of uh, stalk a DJ in a good way to say, you know what? Maybe we'll put her on the roster. Right. I've been watching what she does. Um, and then the, the, the bad of social media is like, um, we're always on it. We're doing it mm-hmm. too much. Do you feel like you've, you, you, uh, have found uh, balance for yourself on social? No, no, you're still working on I it too. I think it's so ingrained in, I've been work, I've been doing social media since mm-hmm. 1990, I want to say eight or nine. Yeah, your, your site is dope. It's always been dope. You've always taken your time with your site. That's another reason why I knew but, a lot about you. Right. Because the mixtapes and your site, you would do a, a shoot, a mm-hmm. photo shoot. Oh, okay. Specifically for your site. Right. To make sure that you stand out <laughs> right. from the rest. Yeah. Professional. I was just even thinking about like social media. Like, yeah. And like, it's like, I've been on social media, yes. socializing with people that... I meet and haven't met yeah. like since like I want to say yeah 99 that's like 20 19 years yeah because Black Planet MySpace wow Black Planet <laughs> I gotta google that tomorrow Black, Black Planet MySpace I was on high five for like a teensy weensy bit but I didn't like it yeah I was slow to adopt to Facebook Same. but eventually Facebook Twitter mm-hmm. Instagram here we are here we you know are. what I mean like it's just it's so ingrained in who I am. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you read a lot of articles about, you know, people who 
socialize on social media and what that means for them and how they're really lonely inside and this and well, that. Don't knock it. Maybe they are. Maybe they yeah, are. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, it's like you also have to consider the people who have been on it since the beginning of time. Maybe and it's just part of their DNA. Yeah, Maybe sure. it's just part of... Sure, you could be on there 19 years and you're 19 years... Like, well, not 19 years old, but like you could have started at 10 or 11. Right. Like you could have started... At an age where all you know is to be online. Right, exactly. I get it. Yeah, exactly. for sure. You know, I am fortunate enough to see the best of both worlds. Yeah. Like, I know what it's like. Like, my grandmother had a rotary phone. And then, you know, when I was growing up, we had, like, the Vista phone with the call display. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, yeah. I've, I've been, you know, I've been fortunate to see the evolution of all of this stuff. Whereas, you know, what I do really worry about are the kids who... We'll never know what it's like to be offline. Yeah, be offline. So, you know, it's personal growth there is going to be tough. But it feels like because of social media, you you know that there's an option to log off. Yes. So, yes, there's a problem. Like a lot of people are on too much. Mm-hmm. But at least, you know, now there's other people and you're seeing this more where even myself, when I'm teaching photography, I also try to do a lot of offline events and, right. and do more of that. Yeah. Um, because you're just telling people, yeah, you know what? Let's. It's actually about just hanging out. Yeah. And speaking, and getting better at, uh, you know, their personal personality skills, like you know how to talk and exactly. engage with people. So there is some uh, some learning there to do, but it's tough to get off because. A lot of it has to do with the money that you're making right. on yeah. social and media. And how you brand yourself. That's right. And how you market yourself and how you attract new clients and new customers to bring in income. So yeah, it's a hard, um, it's a hard, it's a hard line to to walk because you know on one hand it's like you can go on social like for example like I remember watching the. Um, the Facebook Live broadcast of yeah. the Philando Castile murder. Oh, my goodness. And, like, you know, because obviously the first thing you do, some people, not everybody, yeah. is they, you know, they wake up in the morning and, like, check the morning paper, social, yeah. they check their socials. And I remember that being the first thing seeing mm. waking up in the morning. And that shook me because it was just, like, number one, didn't expect it. Number two, like, is this what social media has come to yes. in the sense that, you know, is this what is this what's happening in the world? And, you know, and it's one of those things where it's just like. I'm grateful for it because it's allowed me to see what's happening right. um, on such a real level and to be affected by it in a way that makes me want to change how I interact with either, you know, other people and, you know, even just down to like treating people, not to say that I've never treated people with respect, yeah. but just treating like the, the saying, treat people the way you want to be treated. Yeah. Like literally means so much more to me after, you know, seeing stories or reading stories about, you know, Sandra Bland and like, Philando, yes. you know, and, um, you know, and Trayvon Martin, I was very affected by that yep. whole situation too. Just, even though the the situations are beyond our control yeah. as far as like Eric Garner saying yeah, that Gar- affected yeah. me a lot. But more. it's just like now we gotta start doing better and now we gotta start treating each other better. Yeah. We've, we've seen the bad and the ugly online. Yeah. Don't just hashtag it and dip. 
And that's what I was saying about, and because I, I would question myself as to, uh, am I a photographer that is going to be at um, a public rally mm. and be a, like a, a social documentarian? I don't think so. Right. I used to beat myself up about that and okay. say, like, I'm not just trying to work with brands and like, that can't just, that's so superficial. Mm-hmm. Come on, Todd, what are you doing? But then I said, no, I can teach people about photography and when they come and see me in person, I will help them with life stuff right? by meeting them in person and talking to them and saying, mm-hmm. hey, so we want to be a photographer. So what are you doing to take those steps? Right. I feel like I'm helping my communities like this. Right. And that's what you can do in the space that you're yes, in. Yes, yes. You know, and I think that's one of the things that we have to realize is that, you know, crazy things are happening all over the world. Yes. We've got certain people as presidents. Yeah. We still have the police brutality situation happening both here in our own city yeah. and in, you know, in and in the States. We, we, we are currently dealing with a gun violence, you know, um, Problem Not currently, I mean, that's been happening, it's coming for to years light too. a lot, right? Yeah, always seems to come to light in the summertime, sure. which is interesting to me. But, anyways, as I digress, like, just like there's a lot of things happening in our world right now, and mm-hmm. it's like we may not be able, I may not be able to do anything about gun violence specifically, but I know how to communicate with someone to make them feel like they don't have to resort to violence yeah. or, you know, just talk to somebody in a way that makes them feel like they're valued as a person. So they don't have to think that they have to, you know, get violent That's right. in any, in any shape or form, right. you know, especially working in the nightclub industry for a long time and being in situations where bottles are being thrown. I was going to say, like, how do you put those records on and you know someone's <laughs> going to throw a bottle right after you play it? It's crazy. It's, you know, I've yeah. been in so many like crazy situations yeah. where, you know, fights are about to break out. And I've, I've noticed that, and it's not just because I'm a female, because I know yeah, these yeah, guys, yeah. like when they're in that moment and they want to do what they want to do, they're going to do what they want to do. But it's like, your approach and how you talk to people is so important. Huge. You know, like I, I've been in situations where stuff's about to pop off and it's like, you know, I turn to home to homeboy and I'm like, yo man, like for real, like you think all this shit's worth it? Yeah. And then they're Come like, I, yo, I know. And that's yeah. all they needed. And that's all they needed. You know, instead yeah. of their boys Amazing. in the background, rah, 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 like do him off. Let's, like, let's, da, da, da. And it's like, oops. And it's okay. like, no, like this guy, for real, you're going to like ruin your whole night off of this guy. He's like he's potentially num- your life. Number one, he's clearly drunk. Number yeah. two, he clearly is of no, like you don't even know who, it, know who right. he is. Like it's just, and it's just, I realize that time and time again, it's just your approach and how you communicate and how you say things to people that can make situations go from 100 to zero yeah no that's huge and again you don't have to be um be helping people in the one way that you see online there's many ways and i feel that was a a huge uh relief for me that i was doing good things um and there's many ways to you know do those good things it's not just like you know working at a soup kitchen on a Saturday morning, right? You can. How, how can your artistic skills help people? You're giving, you're employing your community, right? And you're um, empowering people, so they say, you know what? I can actually don't have to stay in this apartment forever, right? I could travel the world mm-hmm. be- because this person gave me a chance, an opportunity. So, right. and even if it's you, okay, even if you can't find the. <laughs> 
you can't find the strength. Yeah, yeah. To to get offline, curate what is what comes to you. Okay. So you know, like if someone if someone posts something constantly that makes you feel away or makes you feel less than. It's okay to mute them. It's okay to because un- I I know what it's like to unfollow somebody yeah, and unfollow. it turns into a thing. It's okay to mute them. It's okay to not see those things yeah. because it's like you. They say the people. I always see, hear or see these memes or hear people say like you know social media is like eighty percent of what people want you to know about mm-hmm. their lives or want you to see about mm-hmm. their lives. But social media is also eighty percent of what you allow that's right, you know, to come into your world. So, you know, I had to do that, you know, when I when I made my transition from nightclub to corporate. Mm-hmm. You know, there was just like there's just certain things about that world and that life that I didn't like. And I and I, and there were people who were still engaged in that and I didn't judge them for that, but I just knew that I didn't want to see that because I didn't want that to be a part of my new shift mm-hmm. yeah. in in my life. And you know, I still see some of them and I still say hi and I still, you know, have conversations with them, but it's like I just don't that I just don't want to bring into my world, and I don't feel like I have to justify that to anybody. You don't, and that's, uh, again, with growth and uh, understanding yourself, because we're hitting, sitting here tap dancing sometimes <laughs> online, and it's tiring, right? Yeah. So if I want to take a break, and I really want to, because I feel social media, it's going to uh, alter and change again, oh, so sure. something else is going to be popular, and I... Before I make that next big move to mm-hmm. whatever that thing that pops off, because I know I'll be on it right. and making a future through that. Mm-hmm. But I don't I really want to take this time to uh, create things that I have done from scratch right. that generate income mm-hmm. through the things I enjoy yeah. with the people that I enjoy. Yeah. So to do all that, I got to put in that work now. So that the social media part of it is just promoting my own right. natural voice. Yeah, it it's doesn't become something that you rely on yeah. for every little thing. Or like, oh, that's what's hot. I, I better get good at that. Right, at that, yeah. You know, like I'll be aware of it, but mm-hmm. I, I want to be good at me and totally. what I'm doing. So, And I hear that in what you're doing before, like pre-internet, like you've mm-hmm. been doing that. So this is an amazing evolution to, to hear all these things come from someone that I've respected from afar. Now I get to finally meet you. And, and you know, it's true. It's like, I hope you push that wave and you should be doing stuff like that. I feel like the, the, the podcast world, I push it on everybody that I know that's creative because, okay, yeah, so I'm doing it. Plenty of room. Right. Like how many DJs do you think are out there that want to do what you're doing? That's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. How many photographers do you know? Right. Right. But that doesn't stop me from doing that. And it doesn't stop me from sharing mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, passing it on to the next person because there's a whole world of people that you want to talk to that are dying to talk to you. And I, I feel like, like, yeah, that. I really feel like it's just personal expression. You don't even have to, personal expression, you don't even have to um, do what I'm doing with, like, uh, interviewing people. Sometimes it's just your own venting. Right. And uh, I think that's also therapeutic. Um, I follow so many comedians um <laughs> For, for that's how I got into podcasting or listening to it uh-huh. like nine ten years ago, and they're just talking into a microphone about their their daily, their daily they, yeah. you know, not always struggles, but just like this is what I'm going through because they don't know what's going on in LA if they're getting that audition, right. but they're gonna complain about it right here, <laughs> and they're gonna say, "Yo, I got this thing tomorrow. I can't really talk about it. I'm so excited." Yeah. Whether they got it or, or not, not, 
they feel better. Right. This is probably like the third mm-hmm. podcast I've done mm-hmm. and I've enjoyed every single one. And I see I see those points. I see how it could be sure. therapeutic and just to have like, you know, in-depth conversations. I can't even remember the last time I've had a conversation like this. Exactly. You know, ver- there are too few and far between. You know, between. And we're all so busy, right? So yes. I always say, if I didn't have these two mics here, we probably wouldn't have met again. Nope. again we'd, we'd be exactly. like, hey, do you want to have coffee? Why? What are we doing at coffee? You, <laughs> you putting sugar in there for me? What is it? But then you put two mics like, yeah, let's do it. Right. And then there, we're actually two hours of our life. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I think there is some good in that, right? Because we're so busy, but we live in the same city. It gets weird after yeah. a while. So. Thank you. No, thank you. And before we go, I want to uh-huh. know, um, I don't have any cash line or anything like that, but I do <laughs> want to know what's the future for you in terms of, um, is it slowing down? Is it a mixture? Is it just more g- learning? What is it? Um, right now, it's helping my creative community deal with the struggles of being a creative in the world that we live in so right now i'm working on a project called the power trip Mm -hmm. which is a three four day um you know excursion to somewhere outside of your normal environment where we talk about you know things like you know mental health for creatives we work through um you know just the everyday struggles that creatives have um, and just kind of like focus on the wellness and focus on um, taking yourself out of your everyday environment for you to actually sit with yourself and, you know, have moments to write out your goals and write out your objectives and, you know, plan the next six months of your life. And um, yeah, so I've I've been working on that for the last year and a half. Wow. You already put that work in. (laughs) That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we're planning to launch, um, I want to say, early September. That's great. Yeah, and just start getting, you know, some interest. And um, my really, really good friend, Melanie Fiona, is going to be uh, one of the speakers. So we're really excited about, like, doing something like this because, you know, there's a lot of wellness retreats, but there isn't a wellness retreat catered to just creatives. And it seems like no one needs it more than other groups. But if if there was a group that would need it. Especially in this time. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it would be it would be creative. That's huge. I love that idea. And, you know, and it's and it's an opportunity for you to invest in yourself to, you know, because the way I look at it, I look at it from my perspective. It wasn't for a very long time that I was able to travel and go on a vacation, Mm -hmm. you know, because I was always concerned or struggling to get that check to pay the bills right and and it's not until like I started saying to myself you know what like the bills will always be there I got to take myself out of sometimes a toxic environment so I can I guess either reset or recalibrate myself or you know just kind of see things from a different perspective um so I'm going to invest and spend the money and spend the $600 to hop on a plane and go to Mexico or go to wherever. The sun so somewhere. I can, yeah, so I can just, you know, sit. Whether, whether I want to be beachfront or whether I want to be poolside or whether I just want to be in my room, mm-hmm. just be with myself with a pen and a piece of paper and write out all the things that 
I want to do. Because sometimes when you are in it, it's hard to do that because you're caught up in the day to day of, you know, how do I stay afloat? How do I, you know, gain more business? And how do I, you know, not even how do I, that is what I'm doing. I'm trying to stay afloat. I'm gaining more business. I'm, you know, on social media. I'm this and that and the other. And it's like there really isn't any time to sit and just be with yourself as a creative and check in and be like, Hey, how am I doing as a, as a person? You know, am I okay? Was I okay with that gig that I did two months ago? Yeah. You know, it didn't feel well, it didn't feel good, but I did it anyway because I know I needed the check, but there's no moment to like sit with yourself and be like, like reassess. How did I really feel about doing that gig? Or how did I really feel about doing that? you know, that partnership or whatever. So that way you can know going forward whether those are the things that you want to continue doing or whether you want to go in a different direction to find other other things to bring into your world. Mm-hmm. We don't have that time because we're con- we are our we are accounts receivable, we are secretary, <laughs> we are treasurer, we are bookkeeper, oh, we are marketing, we are branding yeah. and there's no time to sit and do the um, what does it do? What do they do when you're a customer service representative? Like every six months, they you sit. Oh, with like your manager a yeah, it's called. My wife, no, what's it called? It's called a um, evaluation. Value, evaluation, yeah. yes. Yeah, we don't have the quarterly time. To, yeah, we don't have yeah. the time to do the quarterly evaluation. Yeah, so this is the opportunity for the power trip is an opportunity for creatives to do their yeah yearly or quarterly evaluation. That's huge because uh, yeah, you'll drop money like. I always say there's, I always say this. I always say to somebody, I always say, ain't nobody listening to me with, I always say, like I've been on stage with this speech. I always, I always say. Like I always say. Anyways, I feel I'm always saying this to myself, Mm -hmm. but you're never, like nobody is watching you like you think. They are. They are. Yeah. So take the time, be selective. You're going to lose um, short term when yeah. you're selective. It's obvious. You can't have every job. Of course. But you can kind of, you really want to be present for the jobs that you're, you're doing. You're doing yeah. and, and take the break when you need to take the break. Exactly. You'll drop money on coffees. You'll drop money all year on coffees and then maybe go on a trip to show that you went to a certain place. <laughs> right. But then someone says, well, what about your self you know, healing? And yeah. you're like, oh, I spent like 10 bucks on that. Yeah, it's like, I'll, I'll go to the spa and get a massage. Yeah, you're like, no, 10 days. Why don't you do something with yourself? Exactly. It's huge. Yeah, you're right. That's It's like we so need it. And, you know, and it, and it puts us, I find personally that when I travel and I'm not, you know, and I'm on a plane for however long with no internet. Right. That's like, first of all, it's my opportunity to flip and read a book yes or read a magazine you were or an original reader yeah exactly was your thing and then you know when i'm away and i have those down times when i'm by myself it's my opportunity to you know just think yes i don't have to think about anything specific <laughs> i just need to think and chill and chill and i f- i feel like you know creatives need that opportunity in that space to do that and you're making it for them uh hopefully that that sounds like, and <laughs> I love how you take, you've taken your time, um, because ideas pop in our heads all the time. Totally. But uh, it seems like it's in you. You're an idea person, and now you're taking your time to execute, which is is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so before we go, who is DJ Navigate? <laughs> Why did I say that? Why I gotta pull that out there? 
DJ Navigators is a young girl who didn't know what she was doing, yes. but knew she wanted to be a DJ. I love that name. It's like you're literally <laughs> telling everybody what you want to do. I'm navigating. Getting through the music. Yes. Yo, like, I'm navigating you through the music. I love it. I love it. Okay. I know. I just didn't, I don't know. I didn't like it. No, it, it going by your name is like literally the best branding that you could do. That's why I went with Taha Photo because I knew it, I, I couldn't have... Um, Taha Maharuma, the photographer. That's too long. Right. Taha, photo, photo. deal with it. Exactly. Lisa Monet, you even got it on the, the laptop so people don't <laughs> even ask that stupid question. Sorry, what do you go by? Right. I will fight you. <laughs> it's right there. Is it Lisa or Lisa? Yeah, that's me right, starting <laughs> this entire thing. Lisa Monet, thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me. This is awesome. This has been an amazing talk. Hopefully, uh, everybody has learned as much as I have about Lisa, but also about, you know, creative life. You're awesome. Thank you. I'll have all your info there so that you don't have to do any... If I meet anybody who says WWW now, I'm like, what, where did you think... What do you think I was going to punch in? <laughs> don't, put the, don't put the W's in any sentences. Right? Just I know. pop it up there. That's like so. something my mom would... So how do I do this Facebook thing? WWW dot... Okay, I'm Facebook. on... Any time someone says the the in front. <laughs> so I'm on the Facebook... <laughs> what? What year are you in? How do I post this picture <laughs> on the there. profile? There's been a couple of classes where I'm teaching and some of the audience or some of the people that have joined are a little bit older. Mm -hmm. And they're like their finger, they will smash their phone to like to, to press things. Like, oh. okay, so ready, we're going to do... They're missing the physical yeah. feeling of a button. Yes. Yes. Of pressing the button on the Vista phone with the... With the the press, the, the cushioning of yeah. it. Like the button's supposed to go in. The Vista phone with the call display. That was like the big thing in our house. If you had that, that you were running things. <laughs> uh, we had the TV, uh, so the controller that was connected. This is going with way the back. With the box. With the box. And yeah, you press and it. it. And, and it had the little dial on the yeah, side. Yeah, and it's like click, click, Yeah, click. my grandmother had one of those. Yeah, too. those. Are, and, but I remember my grandma had that, the not the rotary phone, but she had originally one of the, the, the press phones. Yes, so it looked like a rotary phone, phone but it had, had the, the dial, the digital, dial pad. Yeah, the, yeah. the dial pad. That was, so. It wasn't digital then. It wasn't digital. Nobody cares to wrap it up, homie. <laughs> all right, Lisa, take it easy. Um, I wish you all the best. Thank you. And we will catch up when we catch up. Yes. Sooner than later. Thank you for having me. This all was right. awesome. All right. Much love, everybody. Bye. What a great conversation with my friend, Lisa. I can say she's my friend now. Now we know each other online and offline and I'm, I'm proud of that learn so much she has so many things going on and if you're a female dj out there i would hit her up if you think you can roll with her and the crew all right everything you need to know about lissa is in the bio below so please check her out until next episode have a great week have a great day have a great evening catch up soon peace <laughs>